Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. I wonder how you're going with uh, growing into Psalm 34. If you were with us uh, last week, I shared an image that I first heard from Peter Adam, this idea of having uh, been given clothes when you're a child that are too big for you that you need to grow into. And uh, Psalm 34 offered us a goal that we might grow in praise this year. Uh, If you look back over the past week, if you can uh, name times of rescue, of deliverance, of blessing, then hopefully you've also had opportunity to to give voice to that experience, uh, to tell your story and to invite others to share in that story. But what if you can't? What do you do with Psalm 34 when your experience hasn't given you any ground for praise? Each of us has all kinds of sins and griefs that we bear. So how do you pray when our experience doesn't seem to give us anything to praise God for? Psalm 5 verse 1 describes this psalm as a lament The dictionary definition of lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Recall Psalm 34 began with the the word to extol, uh, to praise extravagantly, to rave about. uh, Perhaps in parallel we'd say lament means to wail over, to cry out. You can't extol the Lord quietly on the inside and neither can we lament simply on the inside. Recall that line from C.S. Lewis, that praise that is not expressed is not fulfilled. Perhaps we might also say that grief and sorrow that is not expressed either hardens into bitterness or corrodes into faithlessness. Psalm 5 then is a kind of worked example of uh, 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Cast all your anxiety upon God because he cares for you. But perhaps uh, before we're ready to add Psalm 5 to our spiritual wardrobe to grow into this day, uh, there's some obstacles to deal with. Because like so many of the Psalms, Psalm 5 does get uncomfortably judgy. Like what do you do uh, with, uh, uh, with, a, with a prayer like um, uh, prayers for God to pour out his judgment on our enemies? Rather than a set of clothes that we might grow into, perhaps Psalm 5 is a little bit like a, a scratchy jumper that an elderly aunt has given you with a sort of offensive slogan on the front and sort of smelling of mothballs. What do you do with the us and them rhetoric in verses 4 to 7? There's the evil people, the arrogant, those who do wrong, and God hates them. But on the other hand, there's there's us, the righteous, on the other. Then, of course, you read Romans 3 when Paul describes the the sinfulness of all human beings and he quotes from Psalm 5 verse 9 in Romans 3 verse 13, their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. This description of the whole world held accountable uh, to God and his judgment and the finger pointing at those evil people over there feels sort of unchristian. And if that's the case, well then to point the finger in such a 
unforgiving way just seems like a bridge too far. What do you do with verse 10? Declare them guilty, O God. Banish them for their many sins. How do we pray that at the same time as live in light of the words of Jesus? Say from uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 28, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. These are not small problems. But there are at least some things to take note of that perhaps will help to iron out the bumps. The first is to remember this, that the Psalms are often uh, uh, responses from God's people to specific experiences and the laments, explicit experiences of pain and suffering. Psalm 5, well, it's a response to an experience of being lied about. Verse 6, people are telling lies. They are bloodthirsty and deceitful. Verse 9, you can't trust anything that they say. Their hearts are full of malice. That is, they want to cause you harm and they're liars. So the question really is, how do you pray when you are falsely accused? This is not just talking about a little misunderstanding or, or, or a personality clash, a minor disagreement. This is a prayer for when someone is out to get you. They want you to suffer and so they accuse you. They slander you. They lie about you because they want to destroy you. And if that's your experience, then Psalm 5 offers you words from God that you can speak back to God. Words to give voice to your pain. And if that's not what's going on for you today, well then say a prayer of thanks and then keep Psalm 5 in your back pocket for the day that this is your experience. You know, my hunch is that if the mood of our culture continues its course, more and more faithful preachers of the gospel are going to be victims of malicious lies. Before long, Psalm 5 may well become a precious gift to us all. But even if you're never to find yourself in this kind of situation, then you can always pray Psalm 5 on behalf of one of your brothers and sisters in Christ for whom this is their experience, day after day after day. After all, the Psalms aren't just prayers for an individual, but they are the prayers of God's people, our family prayers. Hear these words from one of our brothers in Christ in South Asia from the Open Doors website. False charges have been filed against me, blaming me for converting people to Christianity using fraudulent means, blaming me for tricking people. They ask me questions like, where was I getting money from for converting people to Christianity? When I said I never received any money, they would just slap me or kick me. I was in jail for four months. After I was released, proving our innocence took over three years in court. Meanwhile, my friends and I had no proper jobs. We were viewed as criminals by our community. No one wanted to associate with us. Would we pray for our brother to ask for God's justice? More so, would we pray on behalf of our brother, 
and others like him. If we could imagine ourselves in his position, then perhaps our prayers would have the same kind of fervent cries and tears that we hear in Psalm 5, the same fervent cries and tears we are told in Hebrews 5 verse 7 of the prayers of the Lord Jesus. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help. These aren't dispassionate observations. In times of distress, Psalm 5 invites us, pray with loud cries and tears. Though the impassioned cries of the lament may leave us feeling uncomfortable, they're here in Scripture as the honest, raw prayers of the people of God and they teach us that in prayer God wants our hearts more than he needs our politeness. Remember, the Psalms are specific responses to specific experiences, the laments to experience of distress. And remember that prayers for justice are not the same as plans for revenge. After all, Psalm 5 prays, it doesn't plot. Verse 10 trusts God, doesn't give in to human violence. The same message that we hear in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Paul instructs Christians to not take revenge, not because God doesn't care about justice, it's just because God is better at justice than we are. Verse 19 continues, Do not revenge, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And so it's true, in light of Christ, we see more clearly God's plan to show mercy to all. And so, yes, our prayers for justice need to be accompanied by prayers for mercy and salvation. But the reason that we are able to do that is because we trust in the God of all justice. So in the laments, we're given prayers for the justice of God, words for our own experience or for the experience of our brothers and sisters. And then there's another dimension to how we would take Psalm 5 as our own prayer, and that's in our battle against our great enemy, who is a murderer and a liar. In John 8 verse 44, Jesus speaks of the devil he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding for the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And you know, sometimes the devil speaks his lies through the voices of enemies who bring false accusations against God's people. Or perhaps your experience is like mine, where the devil speaks his lies through the voice of my own negative self-talk. I don't so much as have an inner critic as a council of inner critics. That didn't go well. That's not good enough. You can't do this. Often followed by the inner schoolmaster, you're not good enough. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Or perhaps for you it's an inner demon 
that threatens you are powerless. Don't ever not be afraid. Or maybe like many in our culture, it's the inner cheerleader. It says, you're awesome. You deserve a pleasant, comfortable and carefree life. And those voices are satanic in as much as they lie, they attack our faith in Christ and they leave us turned in upon ourselves. So my brothers and sisters, as I've meditated on the words of Psalm 5, I've found in them a way to respond to being assaulted by my inner critics. A kind of five-movement journey from lament to praise, and so I want to conclude with that journey. It starts in verses 1 to 3 with lament. And in these verses, we see that lament isn't the same as complaint, or certainly it's not a whinge or, or a rant. It's not venting to God. Verse 3 says, to lament is to lay my requests before God and wait expectantly. Yes, with passionate expression of grief or sorrow, with loud cries and tears. But the key is that the journey toward praise starts with taking my grief and struggle to God because I trust his promise. He cares for me, so I cast all my anxiety upon him. And then when I speak to God, I know that I'm speaking with someone who is on the side of truth. And verses 4 to 6 then is the second movement. I reject the false accusations of the evil one. In my wrestle against those inner voices, I say before God, these things are not true. God, you don't welcome wickedness and evil. You detest the bloodthirsty and deceitful. You don't listen to these voices. Jesus, you don't hold my sin against me. You do not weigh our merits. You pardon our offences. Step two, reject the false accusations. And in movement three, in place of the enemy's lies, I find mercy and grace in the house of the Lord. Verse seven describes and then takes hold of gracious refuge. That I can come into the house of God. Well, that's the truth. To reverently bow down is to claim that truth for myself. I need to speak the truth of the gospel to myself. I need to put myself in places and with people where the gospel will be spoken again and again and again to my heart. Not just to my head, but in my heart and even in my body as I physically bow down and worship the God who promises gracious refuge. Verses 8 to 10 is the fourth movement, which is repentance. Rejecting the lies of others means rejecting the lies for myself as well. To see myself from God's perspective is to align my life with God. Verse 8 
sort of caused me pause. Lead me, Lord, because of my enemies. Why, why because of my enemies? And I reflect it's because these liars are out to lead us astray. Whether they're human accusers, our inner critic, or the father of lies, these enemies are like a big flashing sign saying, go this way. So because of them, I need you, Lord, to lead me. Like the markers of a hiking trail in the fog, would you take me one step after another, make your way straight before me. And then finally, having journeyed through honest prayer, rejected accusations, gracious refuge, willing repentance, we come to the destination. Movement 5 in verses 11 and 12, to take hold of joy. Let all who take refuge in you be glad and let them ever sing for joy. But notice, of course, this is a prayer. It's a promise. It's not yet experience. We're not in the past tense of Psalm 34, verse 6. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. Psalm 5, verse 11 is still future, but it's a resolve, a resolve to trust a promise, even in the darkness. There is a promise of refuge. There is a secure place to escape to, a promise of protection, to be defended, to be kept safe, a promise of blessing, of favour, of God's commitment to our good, of God's promise to meet us with his life-giving smile. We get to the end of Psalm 5 and you ask, so what's changed? In one sense, nothing. In another sense, everything. In lament, we lay our requests before God and we wait expectantly. Lament is a process then of aligning ourselves with the kingdom of God, aligning ourselves with this new reality. This is prayer as a means of grace, prayer as a gift from God, a set of words to align ourselves with God and all that he is making new. Revelation 21 verse 5, Jesus says, Behold, I make all things new. And in our prayer we take hold of that newness of the kingdom by faith and in hope. So, whatever your experience is today or in the days to come, would you lay your requests before God with fervent cries and tears and wait expectantly in the name of Christ. Amen.